Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you again for Sunday service online. Uh, we're looking forward uh, to, to the day that we get to gather all together once again. And I think, uh, you know, we've heard, heard the governor talk about possibly doing that with it sometime in the near future. So we're praying about that. We're praying about everybody getting to come back and how we can make that happen the best way possible uh, while still being safe. And But man, we're excited about being with you once again. But we're glad to be with you right where you're at this morning as well. And so before we get into the word this morning, I just want to pray with you uh, right where you're at. And, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us this morning through his word. Heavenly Father, we, we love you so much. And God, we are grateful that you are with us. And, and Lord, as we gather this morning across different living rooms and wherever we may be listening to this, Holy Spirit, we know that you are with us. And God, you're here to teach us. You're here to guide us. You're here to transform who we are and to give us a greater vision, Jesus, of who you are in our lives. And so I pray this morning, God, that you would anoint your words, that you would give them life and that you would use them, God, to transform us, to change us, God, and to set us on the path that you have for each one of us. God, I release a blessing into each home this morning. Just pray your peace would be with each person, Lord God. We, we, we believe you, God, for salvation this morning, for healing, for deliverance, because God, that's just who you are. And Lord, we pray that you would come even across the camera and across, uh, God, the, the waves where people are listening to it, Lord. We just pray that, that your power would be released, Lord Jesus, and you would reveal yourself this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So once again, it's good to be with you this morning. I know over the past several weeks, it feels like we've had to remove a lot of things uh, from church. And, 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 and I, think, I think sometimes it may even be good for us sometimes to remove certain things from church because we can add a whole lot of unnecessary things from time to time. But last week we were talking about Jesus's ascension and, and how it was so important, so vital for him to leave because he said, if he did not go away, then the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper would not come. And see, that's one important thing that we've got to understand about the church is that we can remove a whole lot of things. We can even to some degree for, for a period of time do what we're doing and remove corporate gatherings because we are still finding a way to gather and the Holy Spirit is still showing up in our midst. But there's one thing that you can never remove from the church and it still be the church and that is the Holy Spirit. The church are and is the people that are filled with, with the Spirit of God, that, that are animated by the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, we no longer have a church. Without the Spirit of God, we are no longer the people of God. But God has designed it so that His people are filled with His Holy Spirit. And, and we want to leave room for encounters with the Holy Spirit. I want us to begin to believe God for encounters with the Holy Spirit in our living room, in our homes, where we're praying alone and where we're with our families at the dinner table. We need to believe God for encounters of the Holy Spirit and continue to ask him to invade our situations, invade our lives, invade our communities. Throughout the scripture, when you read, you see that the Holy Spirit is represented as, as, as oil sometime. He's represented as a fire. He's represented as wind or breath. He, he, he's represented of a lot of different things, even a dove. He, he descends upon Jesus like a dove. And you see all these different representations of the Holy Spirit. But, but I want to go back specifically to a place in, in the very beginning when, when, when the Holy Spirit was moving in the beginning at creation. And you're going to find that what you see in the very beginning reveals that the 
Holy Spirit is always at work. He's at work when you don't think he's at work. He's at work in very dark places. He's at work in places where it seems like he's the farthest away, where there's nothing but chaos. And this morning, I believe right now that in the midst of this chaos that we're going through, the Holy Spirit as it is at work in ways that we can't even imagine. That in the middle of people's chaos, in the middle of even destruction and darkness, in the middle of places where you think, man, the Holy Spirit God seems so far away, so distant that he is at work in those places. Now, Sometimes I think, especially when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people have a lot of different ideas about who the Holy Spirit is, how he works. And depending on whether or not you're hardcore Baptist or hardcore Pentecostal, there's a pretty broad range right there based on what you may believe about the person, the Holy Spirit. But let's just strip all that away for a minute. Let's go back to the beginning. I want to call this message the hovering Holy Spirit, hovering Holy Spirit. And you'll understand more about why I'm saying that whenever we get into the scripture here. But in the Bible, when we study the Bible, there's something called the law of first mention. And that means that whenever the Bible mentions something for the first time, it's setting a precedent and trying to give you the essence of the meaning of something from the very beginning so that it'll establish a pattern throughout scripture. And the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible right out of the gate in Genesis chapter one, verses one and two. Here's what it says. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Notice that. Notice that it was without form. It was void. It was empty. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so the very first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, the first thing that we find out is that Holy Spirit is active in creation, that he was there when God the Father began to speak everything into existence. And the Holy Spirit was there hovering over the chaos, over the void, over the darkness, waiting on that voice, waiting on that command to go forth to participate with that. Now, we've got to understand that he's in that because because a lot of times we think of the Holy Spirit in recreation or, or, or transformation now in our lives. But one of the worst beliefs that we can have as Christians is that the Holy Spirit just comes to save us from the natural created order. And in, in other words, what we believe as Christians a lot of times wrongly is we believe that Jesus comes to save us from the world, that he comes, comes to save us from the earth and to just get us out of here away from hell and into heaven. But what you need to understand that the goal is not for God to save us so that we can just fly away into heaven and then God sends a fireball to destroy the earth. No, that's not how it goes. What we believe is that this world does not ever end. This world is without end. Now, this age as it stands, what's going on, the way things are at work right now, the demonic principalities that are destroying this world and the sin and the sickness and the disease and the death that is in this world as we know it, the corruption that is at work. Yes, those things will come to an end. But this earth, this world and even the heavens will be rejoined and God will renew all things. So when we talk about salvation, we're not talking about leaving this world, but we're talking about renewing this world and renewing all of us back to God's ultimate purpose and ultimate design in the beginning. That's what salvation is all about. Jesus sends the Spirit and the Spirit is at work in bringing about a new creation. In Psalm 104 verse 30, it says, you send forth your Spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. The same way that, that God renews the face of the earth in the very beginning is the same way that he renews us. 
Uh, because in all of us, there's really a darkness. There's a chaos. There's a void that is in, on the inside of all of us, especially before we know God. And we experience that chaos and that void, that emptiness that is within. And the Holy Spirit comes and God begins to speak light into the midst of our dark hearts. Here's what it says in Titus 3, verse 4 through 6. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration. And notice this and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, this word regeneration is basically saying that, look, your spirit, you were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. There was a darkness in your spirit. There was a darkness in your soul. You didn't know your purpose. You didn't know your reason for living. You had no idea who you really were and what you were designed to be. And in the midst of that, in our sin, in our suffering, in our pain, in our foolishness, in our disobedience, in all of those things, God's great mercy and love toward us was extended in Jesus Christ. And it says that he poured out the Holy Spirit upon us abundantly. And there was something that took place and the Bible calls it regeneration. And that regeneration means that there's a new creation. He brings something to life out of nothing. There was a nothingness on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit comes and brings about a regeneration. It's, it's another word that we use for the new birth. It means that your spirit was born again. You were brought to new life. Now, here's what's very interesting is that word regeneration that, that is used, the Greek word that is used there is only one other place than Titus in the scripture. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, dealing with our spirits. There's a washing of the Holy Spirit where he transforms our lives. He sets us on a new path. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You become a new creation. But Jesus uses this word in Matthew 19, 28, and he's not talking about our spirits. He's talking about something else. It says, so Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you, notice this, that in the regeneration, literally, he's talking about the new world. He says, in the regeneration, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a reference to the rebirth of the creation. It's like saying there's going to be a new heavens, there's going to be a new earth. And see, our regeneration, the fact that when you become a Christian, when you believe in Jesus, when you confess your sins, you turn to Him, you put your faith in Christ and in Christ alone, the Holy Spirit gives you new life. You're born again in the Spirit. But see, that's a down payment of the fact that not only are you going to be recreated, but one day your body is going to be recreated. But not only that, one day this very world, this planet that is, that is under sin and death, that is under destruction, that, that we experience cataclysmic storms and we experience viruses and we experience all these awful things. He's saying, no, I'm going to renew that as well. There's a regeneration that has happened in our hearts as a Christian, but it's a down payment of the fact that one day he's going to regenerate all things and all things are going to be renewed. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. See, humans are not the only things that have been fallen and disordered. This whole creation is fallen and disordered. We've talked a lot about that here lately. When we see sickness, when we see death, this this is not God's original plan. This is not what you would call natural. This is disorder. This is dysfunction. This is a broken world. This is a fallen world. This is not God's ultimate plan for us. And we have to understand that God's purpose is that the entire creation, everything be born again, everything be born again. You know, a lot of times right now here, 
people talking about, well, you know, there's, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out there right now. And people are talking about, well, everything's being set up for the new world order and the Antichrist is going to come in. And, and I, I, you know, I don't like to dive into that too much, but I'll be honest with you. Things are, they seem to be culminating in a direction that if you look at biblically, we, we, we seem to be heading in a direction that one would might call the end times and different things like that. So, so we see that at work and people talk about, well, you know, the, the Antichrist is going to come in and the, the Bill Gates and all these different people are trying to set up a new world order. Let me tell you something. When Satan and his demons and anybody who chooses to follow him seeks to set up a new world order, I promise you it will fail and it will fail quickly according to scripture. But the new world order that will not fail is when Jesus returns and the Holy Spirit as a flame of fire renews the face of the earth and everything becomes new and you and I get to rule and reign with him forever. We're not waiting on the new world order of the Antichrist. We're waiting on the new world order that comes from heaven where there's a new Jerusalem that descends out of heaven and Jesus Christ comes with all of his saints and he establishes his throne in Jerusalem and we are back on this earth, but it's renewed and it becomes one with heaven. That's what we're looking for. The Holy Spirit does this work in the end as a flaming fire purifying and bringing about a new world order. But see, Jesus demonstrated this new world order. I thought about calling this sermon New World Order and I thought it would freak everybody out. So I just backed out on it. I said, we're going to call it the hovering Holy Spirit instead. But, but, but Jesus demonstrates this new world order when he shows up on the scene. He says, look, boys, y'all got to understand everything is broken. Everything is jacked up here. This is not what my father wanted. You want to see what my father wanted? Look at what I'm doing. I'm healing the sick. I'm raising the dead to life again. I'm reaching out to those who are broken and afflicted and oppressed of the devil, and I'm setting them free. I'm casting out demons. Matter of fact, in Matthew 12, 28, he says that if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, he even tells you how he does it. How did he heal people? How did he bring deliverance? How did he cast out demons? He said, by the Spirit of God. It was by the Holy Spirit that is waiting, that is hovering, that is waiting on somebody to step in and obey the command of God to release that power of God in the earth, on the earth as it is in heaven. And he would he would do that and he would demonstrate this is the kingdom. This is the way that my father's kingdom looks like. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that these things happen. I was reading the other day a, a guy named Jürgen Moltmann. Here's what he said. I love this. This quote here. Read this with me. It says, when Jesus expels demons and heals the sick, he is driving out of creation the powers of destruction and is healing and restoring created beings who are hurt and sick. The lordship of God to which the healings witness restores creation to health. Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized and wounded. See, here's what, here's what he's saying. He's saying, we think that natural is everything being broken, everything being sick. When, when a virus just runs rampant, well, it's just a natural world. These are the natural things. No, God is saying, and Jesus is demonstrating, that these are the most unnatural things. Hate in your heart is unnatural. It's not human. Sickness in your body is unnatural. It's not human. It's demonic. Death and disease and suffering and pain and abuse in our homes and broken relationships. Those things are not natural. Those things are unnatural. What we call supernatural is Jesus invading it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we call it supernatural because it's different than what we're used to. See, we're used to suffering. We're used to sin and pain. But really what God is doing when he releases the power of the Holy Spirit is he is, he is setting things back to their true natural order. 
to their true natural order. It's a natural thing for somebody to be healed of sickness. For God, it's a natural thing for somebody to be set free of their sin. For God, it's a natural thing for your marriage to be restored. For God, it's a natural thing for your torment and your fear to dissipate as you're set free from the bondage of the powers of darkness that have been binding you from, from, from all of these things. It's a natural thing for the Holy Spirit to do these things. He is coming to renew and bring all creation back to its natural state. And when we think about this as the church, because see, as the church, guess what? The Holy Spirit is, is not only out there doing things in random places, but see, He lives in us. In other words, God has, has made it so that the church is designed to participate with the Holy Spirit to bring things back to their natural state, back to their natural order. So when we think about this, too, as, as church people, and again, this is something that we've dealt with here recently because we're not in church in the building. See, the building was never the church. Obviously, people are on Facebook saying that stuff all the time and yada, yada. But, but it's true, right? The building is not the church. The church is the people of God that are filled with the, with the Holy Spirit. They are co the community, the family of God that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I, b I believe that, honestly, we, we're so religious in southeastern Kentucky that we believe the only place that the move of the Holy Spirit happens is inside the church house. You need to be in a church house. You need to come to the altar to get saved. Now, you can get saved wherever you're at listening today if you will simply believe because the Holy Spirit is at work where you're at. I don't care if you're in a drug dealer's house right now listening to this, but I hope so. Oh, I hope so by the grace of God, because right there in the darkness, the Holy Spirit is at work drawing you. He's at work everywhere. And that's my first point is that the Holy Spirit is at work everywhere. He covers the whole world and he leaves nothing out. He is invading all creation. He's at work everywhere. You cannot go anywhere on this planet where the Holy Spirit is not at work. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, where can I go from your spirit? David's crying out, where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Or where can I flee from your presence? Can you sin? Can you yield to unclean spirits? Can you walk down a terrible path? Yes, you can do all those things. But you will never go to a place where the Holy Spirit is not still there pursuing you, wooing you, desiring you, loving you. The scripture says that the spirit of God actually yearns jealously over you. He desires so, so badly for you to lay down your idols and lay down your sin so that he can just dwell in you. He's longing for you even while you are in your sin. Even when you're blaspheming him and rejecting him and hating him and saying, I don't even believe in him. He's still wooing you, loving you, desiring you, pursuing you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And he is at work everywhere. And he's always actively seeking to draw you back to the heart of God. There's a theological term called prevenient grace, right? John Wesley kind of was the guy that really, really pushed us back. Now, I like John Wesley. He had a lot of good things to say. But, but basically, he was trying to give us a way to understand the fact that, listen, all of us are fallen. Really, we all in our, in our, in our deadened state, we have dead spirits. We have no desire for God. None, none of us are good. None of us pursue God. None of us seek God. And what we need is God to actually start a work in us. Nobody just ups and one day says, you know what? I feel like I believe I'm going to seek the Lord without the Holy Spirit first doing something in their hearts. And John Wesley said that this was called prevenient grace. It's grace that goes before. It's grace that goes before you even thought about God or you even wanted to turn to God or you even wanted to lay down your sin. See, I remember a time in my life when I was in sin and I enjoyed it. And I didn't want nobody to say nothing about it. Matter of fact, there would be guys, friends of mine that say, hey, man, we need to do this for the Lord. We need to quit this foolishness. And I'd be like, shut up. I ain't trying to hear that, bro. But even God would use that as a means of prevenient grace to me. 
He would use that as a means of prevenient grace that comes before, that is working in us. The Holy Spirit is drawing us. It means that God's desire for all humanity is ultimately to be saved. We believe that. And that on some level, here's what John Wesley would say. He would say on some level, there is no person that is left in their natural, purely fallen state without a measure of God's grace being released to them. What you need to understand that is in this sin sickened world, in this broken world, the grace of God is out there seeking and pursuing everyone. On some level, now it's, it's different. It's different because there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables as to how deep in darkness people are. There's a lot of variables into, uh, into, into generational curses that have passed down through their families. There's a lot of variables as to whether or not they've heard the gospel. There's all kinds of variables at work that we don't fully understand. But God, through the cross of Jesus Christ, has released His grace to the whole world. In Titus 2.11, it says this, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The word men there literally just means humanity. The grace of God has appeared to all humanity. And this grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In Revelation twenty two seventeen, 17, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. See, the Holy Spirit is wooing people. He's saying, come. But guess what? It says not just the Spirit, but the bride. The bride is the church of Jesus Christ that is filled with the Spirit. So guess what? If you're the true church of Jesus Christ, you are telling people, come. The Lord is ready to receive you. He loves you. He wants to invite you back into his arms. The true church of Jesus Christ is at work with the Holy Spirit in partnership with him, saying, come to Jesus. He loves you. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Folks, this is a free gift. The Holy Spirit, the gift of salvation, it's free. Whoever you were, whatever you've done, this gift remains to be a free gift. And if you desire it, come and drink of this water of life freely. That's what the scripture is saying. The spirit says, come. Those who are filled with the spirit say, come. And John 1, 9 John Wesley said, see, this, this light was breaking out to every man in the world. He says, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So like I said, God will respect man's free choice. He's drawing people everywhere. But at the end of the day, you have a will, you have a choice to whether or not you will respond to this drawing that God is leading in, you into. This grace, this Holy Spirit is trying to enable you, empower you, animate you, wake you up to turning to Him and bringing you back to your original design, back to your natural state, back to who you are. And let me tell you something, your natural state is, in our, in our minds, a supernatural state. It's something beyond what you could ever be in and of yourself because you were designed to be filled with God Himself, to be immersed in love because God is love. That's what God designed us for. And see, I remember... We talk about prevenient grace. And here's what I believe. The reason, really the reason I'm even preaching this message right now is because I know that in the midst of this crazy stuff, people are getting saved. I've had, I've had a lot of people text me and be like, man, I, I listened to that. I listened to your message. I, I, and they've not, been, they've not been around. I've not seen them. I've not heard from them in a while, but they're, but they're tuning in. They're, try, they're looking for a voice. They're looking for some kind of reason because they see that this world, man, who wants to live in a world like that's going crazy like this forever? Even if you could live forever, why would you want to do it in a world like this? Amen. But see, we believe that we're going to live forever, but this world ain't going to be like it is in the current state. 
This thing is coming to an end. Jesus is going to restore things. But see, God's prevenient grace, His grace, His Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts, drawing them. I can remember in my own self that, that I remember, for, for, for example, see, God can use anything. He can use the coronavirus. I remember when I was about 16 or 17 years old, I had a horrendous crash. You know, I, I was using alcohol and drugs and different things like that. I had a terrible wreck. A couple of my buddies was in the, in the vehicle with me. And I remember laying there after that wreck on the ground and just something dealing with me. I remember writing a paper about, about how I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I, I heard something. I felt like I heard the voice of God. I didn't know what it was, but I heard him calling me and I didn't know. I, I honestly, I wrote down. I said, I don't know if I will answer it, though. See, there was that war. There was, this, there was something pulling on me, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to put my finger on it. But see, what God did was he used that. And then he used this emptiness in my own heart after years of trying to fill it up with drugs and alcohol and sex and whatever else. And, and trying to fill up that hole in my heart, he used that. And then he used people that would come and pray for me. And he used people that would anoint, uh, anoint my house with oil and do crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then he, then he used people that would send me a, a CD with a sermon on it and say, listen to this. And then he used, even years before, somebody that would give me a Bible, my dad that would give me a Bible, and then I would put that Bible in my dresser. He was using all these things, culminating, working all things together so that ultimately he could bring me out of darkness. And what I want you to understand is that you need to be praying more than ever before because people that are in the most darkness that are gone and you think there's no way they're being saved. God has already been working on their hearts in the midst of the darkness. And sometimes when they're the furthest away, it's because they're running from the loudest voice. And that's what I did. But before long, I finally woke up and I turned. And sometimes you say, well, boys, I finally found God. But the truth is, man, he'd been chasing you down the whole time. And finally, you just fell and turned around and said, there you are, Lord. I see you now. He's been after you. He's been after you. He's after people right now. He is at work. But see, not only is he after people right now, he, he's, he's everywhere. You're more likely to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in your home or in your workplace or wherever you're at if you are open to it. You need to be open to the Holy Spirit working in your workplace to lead you to speak to somebody, to lead you to pray for a sick person, regardless of what's going on, that he's going to be at work in places other than what we're used to. The second thing, though, is he's not just at work everywhere, but the Holy Spirit is at work in the chaos. And I know that sounds strange because, like I said, it, it, I've even heard people preach. They used to preach that, you know what, you, if, if the Holy Spirit's going to move, you got to have everything just right. Volume's got to be right on the music. Everybody's got to be holy and pure. Can't be no sin in the church house that morning. Can't be. Listen, if there, look, nobody would get saved. And you know what, if there was no sin in the church house that morning. Like you cannot create the perfect environment. The Holy Spirit is not waiting on a perfect environment because he's at work in the chaos. Matter of fact, in the beginning, he was hovering over the void, over the darkness. He wasn't hovering, hovering over something that was perfect. He was hovering over something that was broken in the beginning. Genesis 1, 2, it says that the earth was without form. It had no, no shape to it. He said it was void, it was empty, and darkness was on the face of the deep. This is where we first find the Spirit of God. In the Hebrew language, is a very interesting phrase. It's tohu abohu. You get you another tattoo beside the tetelestai one I told you about a couple weeks ago. It'd be a weird word on your wrist. Again, that's a joke, just for y'all that don't know me. But it means waste and wild. It means unfathomable chaos, darkness, and obscurity. Waste and wild unfathomable chaos. Just imagine the world in, in, its begin, in the beginning, in its beginning state, it was worse than it is now. 
There was no form to it. It was dark. It looked awful. It ain't a place that if you're driving by on a spaceship, you're going to look down and be like, well, I'd like to check that place out. No, you would have skipped on by. But the Holy Spirit was there in the midst of that hovering. And see, we assume that, no, he's at work in the righteous place. He's at work in the good place. But see, we see that the Holy Spirit is at work in places that you could never imagine, in the darkness of your own heart. When you're, when you're dealing with different things, when you're dealing with struggles, I know people, you know, and, and, and it's so much better when we're just honest, isn't it? It's so much better. I tell you what, the Holy Spirit, I've seen people, I've seen the Holy Spirit come and deliver people from years of abuse, from years of addiction, from years of pain and suffering. And it only happens. He invades when all of a sudden we take that dark chaos, that pain, that suffering, and we open the door to him and we say, here it is. And he's waiting there, hovering the whole time over those areas, waiting for somebody to open the door for that to be spoken into you. Because some of you, you're dealing with, you're dealing with sexual addiction. Some of you, you're dealing with, with drunkenness. You're dealing with alcohol. You're dealing with drugs. You're dealing with a, a, a marriage that's just breaking. You're dealing with abuse. or You're dealing with just the fact that you're, you're just hateful and you're angry and you don't know why. And God is saying in the midst of that chaos and midst of that darkness, I'm sitting here hovering, waiting to work, waiting to move, waiting to do something. And even Jesus, when he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He, he, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach recovery of sight to the blind, to open the prison doors to those who are bound, to release the captives and let them go free. And it goes on to say that, that, that he's going to bring beauty for ashes. Where there's been ashes and everything's been burnt and dark and nothing's left good. He says, I can bring beauty out of those ashes. I can bring new life and new creation. He can do that in your relationships. He can do that in your life. He can do that where you feel like, man, there's no hope for anything good in these situations. That is where God begins to move. And he does this on the inside of us. But see, he also does this through us. Because if you are a Christian... See, and he's already done that work in you and he's already began to deal with the darkness in your own heart. He's already brought you from darkness and into light. Now he's using you as an instrument to do the same thing through you. That's what he wants to do. And God is calling people right now. And I, I believe this, that God is calling people and he is raising them up to see the different spots of chaos and darkness in the world and not say, let's avoid those. Let's stay at church. No, he's saying, I'm raising up a church that doesn't just stay behind the four walls and stay in the building. I'm raising up a people in a church that they see the chaos, they see the darkness, and rather than run from it and hide from it, they walk into it and they start to bring order into the chaos. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. And if he lives on you, then he actually begins to compel you to do the same thing, to bring love in those places of hate, to bring light in those places of darkness, to bring healing where the people have been ravaged with sickness and disease and pain and abuse and suffering. And so you think, well, I just don't know if I can do that. Well, good news. The third thing about the Holy Spirit is, is that he is a helper. The Holy Spirit's a helper. Because anything that God's ever called me to do, I can promise you. Even when I stand up, I'm as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I tell, I tell some of these that are here, here with me. When I stand up to preach, I'm wondering what's going to flow out. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is a helper. He helps you speak. He helps you love. He helps you be kind. He helps you pray for the sick. He helps you be bold in your Christian walk. He helps you do all of those things. John 14, 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, 
The Greek word for helper, it's translated sometimes comforter. And we like that because, I mean, if you get in the bed and you got one of them big thick comforters, it makes you feel like, if the Holy Spirit's like this, I'm down with him. Like, this is going to be good. You get, you get one of them. Me and my wife, she buys big fluffy comforters. I'm thinking, Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's good stuff. But, but the word is, is paraclete. And in the Greek, and that doesn't matter, but what it means is one called alongside to counsel. That means that he has been, he's walking with me to counsel me, to assist me, to help me, to teach me, to show me things when I need it. If I can be sensitive to him, he'll give me what I need to speak. He'll lead me to the people that I need to go to. He'll send me to the place that I need to be. He'll lead me in the path that I need to go in. And when I get there, even when I feel like in myself, I'm not going to have the power or the words to do it. He will supply me with exactly what I need in that moment because he is a helper. Now notice, he's this supernatural assistant because in the beginning when God created, the spirit was hovering over the waters, over the face of the deep. And in Genesis 1, 3, it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. See, he tells us how creation happens. And God, the father is sitting there. And guess what? He speaks his word, which is Christ. You have the Father, the Word, and the Spirit throughout all eternity. And God the Father speaks. His Word goes forth out of His mouth. But do you know that every time a Word goes forth out of your mouth, breath also goes forth out of your mouth. The word for breath in the Hebrew language is the same word for spirit. The spirit, the breath of God goes forth out of His mouth. And the breath, the Spirit of God was just waiting on that word to go forth. And when that word go, went forth, he participated with God the Father in creating everything and he moves. And right now he is waiting to bring about the commandment of, of, of the Father to bring that new creation. See, but the first picture is that God is a creator in the spirit and he's also a helper. And what I love about this is we, we get these ideas and even sometimes big theologians and preachers will be like, God doesn't need anybody. And, 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 but the thing, and God doesn't need anybody. He's God. He is self-sufficient and he doesn't need anybody. But God's nature is different than what he, what he seems to be in power. Because in nature, he doesn't stand independent out here, not, not wanting to be with you, not wanting to participate with you. No, he actually comes in and becomes one who will actually even receive help and assistance and give help and assistance. And between he, between us and the Holy Spirit, we're participating with him right now. The Holy Spirit wants to do things in people's lives that you cannot imagine, but he is hovering over those areas, waiting on you to come in and participate with him and speak the word of God into those moments. So the question isn't God, what do you want me to do? The question is, God, what are you already doing that I can come and participate with? Because the Holy Spirit's hovering over somebody right now. He's hovering over somebody in your family. He's hovering over a situation that you're dealing with. He's hovering over this whole coronavirus issue, looking for somebody to, to, that he can impart strategy and wisdom to to move forward, looking for somebody that is going to participate with him in the gospel and the kingdom coming forth. That's what the Holy Spirit is at work doing. The scripture says in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Notice this. So you have the word, the heavens are made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. That word is Ruach, breath. It's the same word for Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. He's saying all of them were made by his word and all the host of them by the spirit of his mouth, by the breath of his mouth. In other words, God's spirit is given marching orders by God's word. 
God's spirit is given marching orders by God's word. If you look in the New Testament, as a matter of fact, it was when they preached the gospel, when they preached the word of God out of their mouths, what would happen? The Holy Spirit would fall upon people and they would be saved. The Holy Spirit would fall upon people. When Peter was preaching to Cornelius and his family, when he finally got to the fact that Jesus had died on the cross for their sins and through him they were offered the forgiveness of sins, when that came out of his mouth, the Word of God came out of his mouth, the Scripture said, and the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues and magnify God. That's amazing. What's that mean? That means that in some sense, I have the ability created in the image of God that as I speak the word of God out of my mouth, that the spirit is beginning to flow forth with that word to bring about new life, to bring about transformation, to bring about change. The spirit is moving. And really, when you talk about New Testament prophecy, all that it is is being able to see the spirit hovering over the dark places, over the chaos, over the sickness, over the disease, over the fear, over the torment, over all of these things. And you come in and you speak a word of edification, building others up. You speak a word from heaven about encouraging people and bringing life into those situations. That's what it is. You're becoming aware of where the Spirit is hovering, waiting for the Word of God to go forth. Now, see, again, I'm, gonna get to, I'm getting to where we talked about the, the whole, this, this message is called the hovering, hovering Holy Spirit, right? Because it says that He's hovering, and that, that's kind of word, like, that's a, that's a strange word a little bit. And I, w I wonder what it means. Now, other, other scripture, other translations will translate it as brooding sometimes or, or moving, but... Hovering, I think, is a decent translation, but that word, if you look at that word in the Hebrew language and you look at the root of it, it's actually in another place in Scripture. It's in Deuteronomy 32, verse 10 and 11, and I think it'll give us some insight to what it means. But it says, He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up its nest hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. The way that the hovering word works is like, is like literally like a, an eagle nesting with its little baby eagles, right? Covering it with its feathers, protecting them, nurturing them, taking care of them. He's saying he's just hovering over them in that sense, constantly being attentive to them and making conditions right for life to burst forth. What you don't see the Holy Spirit doing is hollering at people saying, hatch eggs, get to moving, you know, bring life. He's not coercive. The Holy Spirit is like a mother eagle that comes to gently nurture and create the right conditions so that life can spring forth. In other words, as the church of Jesus Christ, we should not be berating people and beating people, trying to get them to change. Now, we should be cultivating an environment where people can be cared for and loved and nurtured in their darkness so that when you come into a church, I would even pray that if you ever get a chance to come into City of Hope Church, that you will find an environment that is safe so that you can actually spring forth into new life without being coerced. It's a natural process of being loved and cared for by the Holy Spirit. It's gentle. It's nurturing. And see, he makes us, when, the, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he actually, he makes us bold. Don't get me wrong. There's a boldness that comes. But when we're dealing with people and individuals who are in darkness and in pain, he brings a certain gentleness and a nurturing to care for people, to come alongside of people, to love people that are broken and to nurture them back into, the, into health and wholeness. 
And so we become Holy Spirit people by just real quick, three, three quick things. Here's how we become Holy Spirit people by being present. First of all, you just got to be present in the dark places. You can't avoid them. The Holy Spirit did not say, Lord, that looks dark. Or, you know, Father, I'm over here as the third person of the Godhead. That looks dark. I don't want to be around this. No, he was present waiting. Secondly, you got to be patient because things may take a while. And that's tough for us, man, because we start thinking, but it's the end times. We got to get quick. We got to get fast. We got to, we got to. And no, sometimes you got to understand that you have got to plant your feet and go for the long haul. And yes, the Lord may come back tomorrow and we need to get the gospel to as many people as possible. But do you see Jesus? Jesus had three and a half years for his ministry. Did you ever see him rushing? No, he was never at rush. He was allowing the Holy Spirit to work through him as he needed to work through him. Sometimes you've got to be patient because it takes some time for new life to be nurtured and developed. And we cannot expect people to be perfect instantly. Thirdly, we, we, we become Holy Spirit people by being nurturing. And I would just ask you, what, what, is it, what are you allowing the Holy Spirit to help you nurture in your life so that new life can, can spring forth in, 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 in places, in people, whatever that is? See, the Spirit of God comes upon people even in the Old Testament. Now, we, we may get into what the Holy Spirit's doing more in the New Testament later, but I wanted to start back in the beginning of how, how He starts things out. And He comes on people in the Old Testament to empower them, to influence them. But, but let, me, let me tell you three, th three more things that the Holy Spirit will do. He will influence, and that means that, that He comes, and listen, He does not coerce people. You know, people, when you get around like people like us and people are talking about prophecy or tongues or the gift of healing, the Holy Spirit never just overtakes you in the sense that you cannot control it. He influences people. My pastor used to say that He's a perfect gentleman, right? He comes in and He'll never overtake you, although He will compel you at times. He will push you. And the Bible says to not quench the Holy Spirit when He moves you. But more times than not, He is simply gently influencing you. And you've got to be sen sensitive to that influence as He comes. Secondly, He will empower you. He's going to give you dynamite, dunamis power, according to Scripture, to be a witness, to speak boldly the Word of God, to live for Him in ways that you never had before. And not only that, but He is going to enhance your ability. Whatever ability you think you have, He's going to make it better if you'll, if you'll be open to Him. He will enhance your giftings, your callings, your ability to reach people. He's going to do that. Now, in, in the Old Testament, I want to finish here. The first person filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament was, was Joseph, a man named Joseph. And the Scripture says in Genesis 41, verse 38, it says, And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, it's very interesting. This is the first man that was mentioned in Scripture to be filled with the Holy Spirit or, or to have the Spirit of God living in him. And Pharaoh, a person who doesn't know God, recognizes it. And the reason he recognizes it is because Joseph interprets a dream. And in this dream, he finds out that there's going to be seven years of terrible times on the earth. He finds out there's going to be seven years of famine and he comes and he says, I see this dream. I'm receiving insight from God and we need to store up food for seven years so that we'll have seven years. We'll have seven years worth of food during the famine. In other words, 
the Holy Spirit's going to come and He can give you divine insight. And I'm praying that God is giving divine insight to our leaders in our churches, in, in, in our government, that He's coming and He's filling people. He's giving them divine insight to know strategy, strategies for what's coming upon the earth. The second person filled with the Holy Spirit in Scripture was a guy named Bezalel. And in Exodus 35, it says, verse 30, that Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord is called by name, Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood. You get the point. All, work, all manner of work of our artistic workmanship. See, he was given this divine ability just to build, because a lot of times, even when we think about the Holy Spirit, we only think about him coming to help some, a preacher preach or do something like that. But listen, the Holy Spirit is at work in all things. He's at work in this man, the second person mentioned of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gives him supernatural divine abilities to, to, to do craftsmanship in the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle. He was building something beautiful for God. And whether it, it could be a variety of things in your life that God has called you to do. It could be almost anything. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to give you divine ability. I want to enhance that. I want to make you an artist in that place. And if you will be open to me, I will help you hone that craft. And I will give you the ability to express my goodness and my love in the earth so that people will see me through it and glorify me and see my goodness and, and experience my love. That's what he wants to do. See, they were building that tabernacle, that Ark of the Covenant, which was really a picture of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is helping us to build something in the lives of people that is going to reflect who Jesus is so that people can see Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is working to do right now. He wants you to see Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, this is my last one, but throughout the Old Testament, there were so many times that Israel and the people of God, man, they went into literally, once again, chaos. They rejected God, they rebelled against God, they turned away from God, and terrible things would happen. They would enter into to, to just destruction. Sometimes sickness would come. Sometimes uh, they would be carried away in exile, and they would be enslaved, and they would lose their hometown, and they would lose everything that they own. They would lose their way of life altogether. But God would always raise someone up and put his spirit upon them and bring deliverance to the people. And God is always raising somebody up. And the question is, will you participate with him? Will you allow him to raise you up in this moment to be filled with his spirit so that he can use you like never before? Micah chapter three, verse eight. Micah says, I am full of power by the Holy Spirit of the Lord and of justice and courage to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. See, when this man saw injustice in the world and he saw the rich persecuting the poor and hurting them and, and, and just so much injustice, he stood up and he said, I'm full of the Holy Spirit and power and I'm gonna call out this injustice and I'm gonna speak out against it because I wanna bring order and love and peace into the midst of injustice and chaos. And right now, man, the church of Jesus Christ is called to receive the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit to step into this place where God can use us to bring order into the chaos. And I, I believe right now, I want to pray right now that you would open your hearts to allow Him to bring order into the chaos now. And once again, just like I said, you don't have to be at an altar in a church. You don't have to talk with a pastor to be saved. You have to talk with God. You have to come 
and realize that you are a sinner, that you are broken just like the rest of us in this world, with this world. But guess what? Jesus is coming to renew not only you, but the whole face of this earth. And he's going to grant you eternal life in a heavenly kingdom. And that's something to look forward to. But we have to deal with ourselves. We have to open this door of our own darkness, our own chaos, and say, Lord, I need to, I want to invite you in. I confess my sin, Lord. I believe that you died for me on the cross for my sins. I want new life. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to fill me now. You need to do that where you're at. You need to pray. You need to begin to seek this fellowship with the Lord. And if you already know the Lord, now is the time to lay down every religious thing that you have, every weight, every little sin that, that you're still holding on to. And you need to say, God, now I want, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be used in a real way. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of just being a nominal Christian that it doesn't really mean anything to me. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to be filled with this spirit that brings darkness, that brings, that brings light into the darkness, that brings peace into the chaos, that orders things and brings things new life. Every time you feel like you see something, and you, when something is broken and you just desire to fix it, to make it right, that's the Holy Spirit. That's His voice. That's His nature. So I want to pray that over you right now, right where you're at. Father, Lord, we just pray that right now we release your word into every heart. And Lord Jesus, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, you would begin to bring salvation. As we confess our sins to you, Lord Jesus, as we turn to you, as we just declare and confess that we believe you, Jesus. We believe in who you are. We believe this word that has went forth today. And we believe that as this word goes forth, God, your spirit goes forth. I pray that your spirit would fall upon people right now. That you would fill people with your Holy Spirit. That you would break their hearts, God. That they would turn to you. That they would receive salvation in their spirit. God, that they would receive healing in their soul and in their bodies physically. And Lord, that God, that you would just quicken them and bring life into them right now to know, God, that you are with them. And Lord God, that you're going to lead them from here on out. Lord, we trust you. We trust you that you're going to lead us through these, th th this next season in our world where there's uncertainty. God, we know that you're with us. And God, we believe that you have called this church, this people, to go forward with your word, to be filled with your spirit, to speak and bring order into the chaos of life right now, God. So we trust in you, Holy Spirit, to lead, lead us, to give us strategy, to give us wisdom moving forward. We love you, God. We worship you. We honor you. We receive all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you so much. We're praying for you. Ask that you would be in, in contact with somebody today. Maybe even send this message over to them or, or share, this, share this video on Facebook. But be in contact with people. Share the gospel with them. Love on people. Call somebody and encourage them today. We hope to see you again soon. We're always praying for you. We'll see you later.